Oh, hello, everyone. This is Michael J. Nelson. I've, I'm holding my microphone today. This is, by the way, this is Like Trees Walking. And uh, I am Mike Nelson, as I previously stated. And with me is David Berge, the Reverend. And uh, we are here at Like Trees Walking Studio West. Yes, we have relocated. We are in New Digs. We will, we're in an undisclosed location, but we are high above the city. We can see which we've never had. We've always been below this. We've been subterranean until this very moment. And so we're in the new studio. So the gear is all kind of laid out in a different way. I hope we're sounding. I hope we're sounding okay. I think we'll sound great. You're, you are holding your mic. That's kind of weird, but. It does look, it looks and feels strange. It's not one of those, it's a studio mic and yet I'm holding it. So I look like a Rudy Valley yeah. to use a current reference. Or who's, I look, who's Rudy Valley? <laughs> he actually, I think he sang through a megaphone in the uh, 20s. He's the one who, like, you know, Mammy and stuff like oh, that. Mammy. <laughs> yes. Uh, anyway, this is Like Trees Walking. This is a podcast where we talk about the important issues of life, life, death, why we're here, what is our purpose, do we have a purpose, are we just a string of gut on a stick of bone wow. occupying this piece of astral soot for one piteous splinter of eternity, or are we something that matters to someone or something That was out a delightful there? turn of phrase. It's one I have on the tip of my tongue. It's from a, a great book by the great, late, great Peter DeVries, an author. Uh, he has an existential crisis, and he comes to decide that that's all he is. Well, we'll, we'll discuss that. Uh, yes, in this... we discuss that and other things. We do it from a, a Christian, Christian perspective. perspective. Yes. That's right. But, Explicitly, uh, but all comers, welcome, come. Yes, all are welcome to discuss these things and chew on them with us, because we think we all get better and stronger in our own ideas if we at least know where they come from and um, you know how we arrived at these conclusions. From whence. Yes. And so we are going to do that today. We're going to discuss a big topic. And then, uh, you know, we always do it in a lighthearted fashion. It's impossible to say that without sounding like like an uh, idiot, you know? <laughs> like a total <laughs> like we're, jerk. It's a, when I used to, was the only thing I was doing was writing books, and they were of a humorous nature. Mm. You'd say, somebody would say, what do you do? And like, I write books. So what kind of books? Like, you don't want to go, well, they're funny books. Like, I'm, well, I'll decide that. So you have to use the lame term i i write humorous prose <laughs> like it's so <laughs> but i don't know what else to say so i don't you know how do you say that you're coming at something in a lighthearted fashion without sounding like look we'll be the judge of whether or not you're right, lighthearted right. you know uh, so all we can do is own it we we just have to own who we okay. are what we are and what we're trying to yeah. do so that's and what we're trying to do yes you be the judge of course we we may fall well short so delightful new studio mike is uh in this studio something i've never seen before but this is apparently a treasured keepsake of his staring mike in the face is a, a People magazine cover from the year. No, no, okay. don't say it. We will l tell them what it is, and then we'll test and we'll tell them at the end. But you have to remind it us to do It is the People magazine cover from a year in which he was named the sexiest man alive. Yeah, well, we can tell them who, and then we'll just, you, in your own mind, think to yourself, first of all, it is true. It's 100% true. Nick Nolte. Imagine when the great Nick, Nick Nolte, Nolte was the considered to be by People Magazine, by the editors and readers of People Magazine, the sexiest man alive, like on all of Earth. So, if you know him now, think of what year would he have been named the sexiest man alive, and then we'll uh, we'll tell you, we'll reveal it at the end of the show. Has anyone fallen farther from the sexiest man? 
That's a good question. We should do a, we should do we all should do a review. Maybe that would that's actually not a bad bit for our Let's yeah, do, that could let's be our do department. That in the second half of the show. We have I'll a, look it up. It we have a good other department we were going to do, but I think this is a better. This is. Yeah. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. We'll, we'll run through all the sexiest. Not men that we judge life. men based on their appearance, but I mean, you can tell when someone's got ugly, and it's not personal. It's just aesthetics. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess. Maybe that's a little. When you say who's fallen the farthest, well, we'll it, let, let the audience <laughs> decide how they've fallen. <laughs> Nick Nolte has another aesthetic going on, and that's that I think he was seen um, rooting through dumpsters in Hollywood one time. No, really? And, and a reporter caught him and said, Mr. Nolte, you know, Oscar-winning Mr. Nolte, what are you doing digging through dumpsters? And he said, I hid my my briefcase in my car, and I think someone stole it and threw, threw it in these garbage cans. It, it did not hold water, the explanation, but then they followed him for a while digging through dumpsters in Hollywood. <laughs> Uh, sexiest man alive. Anyway, <laughs> Dave, let's get to our topic, and we can do the. the, the I look forward to the uh, the sexiest man competition coming up. Speaking of sexy time, yeah. All right, what do you got for us today? All right, so this is going to be my uh, my musings on monogamy uh, and deviations thereof. Uh, my, my my defense of monogamy, and this was brought to my attention by an article uh, from the Web Magazine. Slate.com. Sure. Um, and so this was written by one Evan Urquart. Um, and Evan, this one had the, it was a wonderful piece of clickbait, um, uh, which was, you know, easier with three, but then the sub, the subhead is like, you have to click. My wife's girlfriend moved in with us and balancing work, life, and leisure has never gone better. So you I won't said, believe oh, what happens next. Oh, my God. My wife's so, girlfriend. So I had to click. And so this is a story of Evan, uh, Evan, and he's a married man. And then, uh, you know, so here's the lead. I'll just give you the lead graph because I think sure. this, this gets us all we need. When people think of polyamorous relationships, they usually jump right to the potential complications. How will you deal with jealousy? How will you schedule your time so that nobody feels shortchanged? What if your partners argue and can't get along? What if you feel left out when your special someone has a date with a special someone who isn't you? I once had these worries too, but for nine months I've been living with my wife and my wife's girlfriend, a poly threesome V, rather than a triad, because all three of us are not romantically involved. What? Huh? I, so like oh wait like oh, I, you know like so it, yeah. like it's just a v because not all three portions are connecting like there's a one there's like the point of the v from which sure. the two legs shoot out all right look that may not be the appropriate <laughs> okay, way all right actually jeez oh god well the, it's the letter stick in the letter see. yeah yeah okay I understand right. now <laughs> it's <laughs> <laughs> parents, oh, it's time okay. for a very special yeah. chalk with your yeah. children. Uh, so, yeah, the one person is romantically joins the other two or not joined. Triad, not a triangle. So there we go. All right. Okay. And the, is that... Well, I guess we don't know. I guess so, we'll find out. Rather than a triad, because all there is not romantically involved, and then last sentence, we're finding that having more people around means less, not more complexity, more hands for the chores, more options for socializing and fun, and an extra income to help with the bills, and more time for any one of us to spend going our own way. Wow. Well, that uh, that sounds great. Are there problems with that, uh, Pastor? Who am I to judge? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sitting... I, this article invites the judging. And I feel as though uh, that the... Um, and the article goes on to paint this very... Uh, uh, 
rosy picture of life and really saying like that you never you know you've never seen the upside and and it's like all of these sort of banal things it kind of reminds me of a, an episode of Seinfeld oh which where uh there's a dude the dude or whatever or George is like a he's in a relationship with this woman and she has like another guy and so he kind of like they it, it, like he passes her off but with the dude I think oh really remember the dude no, I don't remember this. I, I, I was not a big Seinfeld watcher. There was one, uh, Jerry was dating someone, because I saw this recently, and he would go to pick her up, and some guy would just come out of the bathroom with a towel on her. Maybe that was the dude. Maybe that was it. And, but his name, he had like a goofy name. But then something. there was one where I think George was like in a relationship, and it was like the labor was <laughs> divided between him okay. and some other guy. So it was, it was very funny. But but all this to say is, uh, um, yeah, when I was, and I, I thought of this article, and I thought of, the uh, one sort of thing that I just found very tickling was like when you think of polyamory, you <laughs> yeah. think of like yeah, like yeah, baby, and like sort of the um, the you know titillating, salacious aspects of it are going to be like just amazingly awesome. And sure. you know we live post sexual revolution, right? Uh, the summer of love, like free love, you know, we're free to arrange our relationships however we want, however make us the most happy. And it's like, th- this is like, the selling point is like, hey, I don't have to do the dishes as yeah. much. And like, man, it sure is easier to pay those bills. So like, just everything has been reduced. Uh, it, like, we don't even get a hedonism uh, a- a- anymore uh, in, a- in a post-sexual revolution world. Like, everything is sort of this uh, cold utilitarian calculus that we use to, like, uh, you know, make cultural arguments in favor or against something else. So I, I thought the um, the non-hedonism move was a uh, was a very interesting move. And actually, it's quite common. You don't get, like, hedonism much as a... As a justification of behavior, I would say within um, within this culture, where supposedly anything goes. Yeah, because uh, I mean, the culture, the broader culture, and even to some extent in some uh, churches and everything, have accepted everything that the culture brings, which is now anything is accepted. So then, you know, it, the argument used to be the hedonists were on the outside, going, "Why are you adhering to that thing when you can just come and join us when all we do is pleasure." And now that the whole everything we do is pleasure is already baked into the the cultural cake. And so you can't, that's not a selling point, you know? So you have to reduce it to like utilitarian uh, paying the bills and sharing chores and like, I don't feel like going out tonight. You go out with your girlfriend or whatever. Right. It's just very, uh, so I thought it was a very um, uh, boring... (laughs) <laughs> boring case. It's not a good case. I do like that at the, be- the beginning, as you point, when you sent it to me, I remembered the, the sentence phrase now. was like, when you think of polyamory, the first thing you jump to is like, no, I don't really jump to, <laughs> I don't jump to these thoughts about it, because the things that he goes into were not the first thing that I would ever think of, like you pointed out. It was more like, man, that's, first of all, that's got to be a headache. I mean, that's got to be insane. But these are none of the things that I think about. No, and I, and I do, and he doesn't go on to address truly the, the, the aspects of jealousy, and I think truly the impossibility of any sort of committed relationship that would be polyamorous. So uh, uh, 
like this is not the recipe for domestic bliss. We think of uh, I just did a wedding this past weekend, and so this notion of two becoming you know one flesh, and uh, you know man leaves his father and mother and, and joins to his wife, and you know what we say at the end of the ceremony, like what God has joined together, let no one separate, and so this like you know permanent commitment of two people um, to one another as uh, as as the you know Christian ideal for uh, you know marriage being lifted up uh, from perpetuity and then you know we we see this kind of post post Christian um, sort of embracing of of things like a monogamish right you hear these you hear these titles like it's sort of like a which I think is just a fancy name for like a kind of semi-open marriage or something like this. Is that a, a new invented term? Yes. Monogamish? Yeah, monogamish. Like we're, uh, we're, ba- you know, we're, we're, we're like in committed. in the neighborhood of monogamy? Yeah, in the neighborhood, but like there's kind of <laughs> okay. like some wow. freedom or, uh, or. I would leave the person just for saying the word personally. <laughs> monogamish. No how. Or there's this, uh, you know, uh, like some very sort of famous kind of Silicon Valley sort of uh, libertarian type of people are in these kind of open, uh, you know, open relationships, monogamish type relationships where you read that. And they just sound horrible, uh, like uh, the most awful thing. And he goes like, you would think about these complications, like what about jealousy? And I just don't understand how you could be in a totally committed relationship with someone and not experience jealousy and deprivation and a lack of trust from someone not being fully engaged and invested in you as their, you know, partner till death do you part. Like, like I just don't think that that works as much sort of, um, uh, as much sort of like utilitarian niceties you might put around it. To me, it's just completely unsustainable unless you're denying some, huge part of yourself and need to be fully embraced by another person within this relationship. I, I, I don't see how it would work. And it'd be interesting to ask. I, I suppose there are cases where you could meet someone and they would say, yeah, I'm, I'm doing a, a, the thruple thing. Yeah. And how's it going? It's going fantastic. How long has it been? It's like the first week, you know, but you're never going to hear, ah, oh, we're like 18 years in. We've had some rough patches, but you know, that's just never, have you ever met anyone in all of history who's been in a that kind of a relationship for a long period of no. time? No, and it whenever these, seems completely this sort of genre of peace will come across every once in a while, and whenever people are explaining kind of a first-person narrative of what they're doing, it's always like, thou doth protest this too much, methinks, like... There is this one about this, I remember uh, a couple years ago, it's, it, it strikes me as like a Salon.com article that I somehow ran across, and uh, but it was about this woman who's like, her and her husband were a part of this like kind of swingers club that they had started, and they had children, you know, young children at home, and they sure. were talking about the swingers club that they had joined, but it was always like they were the most hyper... Um, like competent people at pulling this off and thoughtful. And it, it, it was like way too much. It was like, yeah. you're doing way too much and so much work. And it's like never answering. And what, what will happen when my kids find out about this? And then there was some like, you know, like bogus lame answer that would never carry any water when you're like, when you're a child, like, wait, mommy, yeah. daddy, like this, this, this relationship that's supposed to provide you with stability. Like, yeah, you know, actually like we'll have this grown up conversation and they'll learn about, you know, freedom and what they can do. And it's like, no, 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 no. That's just not going to work. 
Well, I've learned that uh, you visit salon.com a lot and you I, read articles about <laughs> It comes across. I do not, I I am not I do not prefer salon.com. Is there anything you want? Salon.com I I have certainly read many pe- I mean salon has a certain tone where I oh, think well, that fits with the salon. They're 100% clickbait things, right? Outrageous headlines, I oh, assume. But it's so amazing, but because uh, <laughs> the people who write them, is, is it one of those sites where then they just contract out the writing? Like, yes. Who's willing to take uh, this one? Here's, you know, it's almost like I knew a guy who uh, who used to do the Weekly World News when it was funny rather than, you know. Bat where, Boy. Where it was the Bat Boy era and the uh, and, and one of my favorite uh, lines, the headlines from that during his reign was um, uh, Idi Amin to join a um, uh, national bowling league or something, <laughs> you know. Horrible African dictator joins bowling league. It was just, and it had him, you know, as uh, just on the, with the colorful shoes on. But yeah, it's just, you want to see like, what is it? Where did they get this? But it's total clickbait, always on salon. Yes. And usually annoying. Uh, But I I just thought this, um, you want to make an amazing case for monogamy and kind of traditional relationship structures. All you have to do is read these accounts uh, of, of the other ones that just sound absolutely awful and like so much work and the justifications being so thin that it's like, well, I, I mean, I get, you know, I got a night, a little more me time right now. And, and just how emotionally uh, and I think spiritually unfulfilling this kind of lack of commitment would be. I talk about um, from, you know, a theological framework when I'm talking to a couple who's going to get married. It's like, this is a covenant commitment. You are making these promises to bind uh, yourselves to one another exclusively. And, and, and Paul actually talks about... Um, in, in one of his letters, his letters to the Ephesians, he talks about how the relationship between um, husband and wife is like reflective of the relationship between Christ and the church. And, and we could even extrapolate that out between God and humanity, that it's this exclusive, you know, covenant relationship and that um, like n- forms of non- non-monogamy uh, are more akin to idolatry than anything else. Of course, you know, we see in the, the Old Testament all sorts of, you know, uh, polygamous relationships or, you know, mul- you know, multiple husbands having multiple wives, but that's always a uh, sort of like a culturally accommodated thing, a deviation from uh, the norm that completely vanishes once we get to, uh, once we get to the New Testament. But, but this... And it's lo- never a, a, a shining example. It's no, never, they don't. These relationships like, this, this are is tough. how you should do things. Oh, these are, yeah, that from the jump, these relationships are tough. You think of, uh, you know, Abraham, the great patriarch, and he's got this wife, and then it's like, well, uh, let's get the you know the 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 handmaid in here and it and it and it and it just gets it always gets incredibly incredibly com- uh, complicated sure up to the point of uh, you know Solomon when it talks about he had whatever you know a thousand or nine hundred wives or something like that and that and the indictment of Solomon is that that became then the cause for his for his um idolatry or his sort of embrace of all, all kind of polytheism and so uh, you know, in our in our relationship with God, there is this monogamy, this exclusive commitment and covenant bond, and that is also then mirrored in our uh, you know marital relationships, spousal relationships. And once we deviate from that norm, it introduces all forms of chaos that are absolutely unsustainable. And I think, like when you introduce kind of idolatry within one's um, relationship with God, the sort of justifications that you have to come up for that um, are as silly as, as uh, the ones that we see for um, the ones that we see for poly 
polyamory. Um, yeah. V non triad. <laughs> you know, that's sort of the <laughs> absurdity of the language and justification. So I just found that interesting um, and made me think of, of kind of the scriptural norm that we see and how that pertains to um, what God made us for. And uh, so you will not be presiding as a pastor over any thruple ceremonies, first of all. Blessing of the thruple. Yes. <laughs> never say never, but... Um, oh, dear. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I will not be blessing <laughs> any thruples. Oh, and um, is it... Can I uh, promote one of your sermons on our podcast? Why not? Because the last one was, you know, got into issues, obviously, because Paul was talking about... Husbands and wives, and a great sermon. Oh, thank so you. So I'm calling on, I'm pointing right at him. Thank, yeah. That was a great one. He always gives a great sermon, but this was particularly, it's a thorny issue and handled so well. Oh, and so you. what's the date on that and the where can date, they go to that get would that? Be, well, you could go to... Um, or it, we can look it up and give them after. We'll put it on the show notes, but if you went to yeah, uh, okay. resmpls.org and clicked on sermons, you could find it there. It's um, And uh, it's from the First Peter Foundation series... I didn't put the date on it, but it's First Peter three one. I said twelve. I meant Peter. So that's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm constantly as I'm like going. <laughs> yeah, I'm like I'm constantly think... wanting to write Paul as I'm yes. going through the series and preaching it. Uh, but the name of the, the, the you'll want to punch me in the face, people, when you hear me say the title of my sermon. But it'll be instantly recognizable. Yanny slash Laurel <laughs> is the title. But it makes sense. Speaking actually, of people. clickbait. Speaking of clickbait, oh, very clickbaity sermon. <laughs> I don't always do that, but when I do, and I and I and I used it, but I you again owned it. You owned it up front from the beginning. Fully owned. Totally so, hacky. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderfully hackish. It was like I was a comedian with suspenders on <laughs> with at your, that moment. Yep, your sleeves pushed up and your suit coat. Uh, anything else on on the thruple situation and the triads and the deltas? What's the deltas? I thought, isn't that the when there's just the two, the triad versus the? I thought a delta was a like a triangle. Isn't I, a delta look like a triangle? I don't like know. a capital. Well, a delta is a split off, right? Mike, I don't know what we're talking. Oh, like oh, I thought you were talking about the Greek letter delta. Oh, not like the not. <laughs> no, <laughs> oh. the tri delts. What is it? Isn't a delta look like a triangle? A capital delta. A capital delta does, but yeah. Well, that's why it was confusing to me. I was talking about the branches of the relationships, the branches of rivers. Yeah. No, Mike. Okay, we're look, gonna have to get on the look, same page. Look, do, let's edit this out. <laughs> no, this isn't great. This, this, this is, is this gold? Is this good? This is gold, Jerry. <laughs> uh, speaking of Seinfeld, but no, just uh, I, I find, um, I, I find uh, that these things. Only further, <laughs> they only serve to reinforce my priors um, about boring, the boring ways that we should all arrange our relationships. Yeah, and I feel like even these stories about this, I'd be shocked if we're hearing anything about thruples next year or whatever. Maybe, who knows? I don't know. Maybe this will be a mini trend. But I always feel like um, these, these articles about them or these cultural things that come up like this are, um, it's like a Jerry Springer thing. They used to have people who would be on the uh, uh, the Jerry Springer list where you would just say, do you need someone to say that they married their sister three times? Like, I'll play that part. And and you would actually, they're just faking it. They Are you just, telling me that Jerry Springer was not real? Yeah, but then you would see them, if you watched enough of those reality shows of the 80s and 90s, you would see the people do, claiming multiple claims throughout the week. They would just circulate this crowd of people like, what outrageous thing would you like to hear about next? 
oh, I'll play that guy. And they may, you know, they may be starting from a place where, yeah, I had something. I, you know, I, I went for five years without uh, shoes or pants or whatever. Like, oh, let's bring them on. And then they discover that he's good. But I feel like that's what culture keeps trying to outdo themselves with a new Jerry Springer thing. And throupling is going to be one of those, I feel. I don't know, Mike, but I you think like, it's got legs, staying uh, power? No, I don't think it actually has any. I don't think it actually has any staying power. And I guess it maybe it's the black swan, you know. So it this is actually not common. So it is, you know, it's a it's a man bites dog story. It's noteworthy because it's so odd of an arrangement. And like, yeah, that will, you know, it's like, and people's natural reaction is that'll never work. And then it's like, and then the justification is saying, well, actually, it does under these, you know, very specific set of circumstances, which appeal which appear to be totally tenuous and unsustainable over anything. He said it's been nine months now. I mean, you know, dollars to donuts, right? This is this this just does not have staying power because we're just not wired that way. I agree. But <clears throat> speaking of staying power, we are going to uh, discover after the break who the sexiest man alive of People Magazine, who has fallen the farthest and who has the most staying power, who still is. You know, from the past, who still could be... Some people could have gotten sexier. And I'm sure there's multiple winners, multiple years. You can't just be the sexiest man alive of 2001 and then 2002. You're garbage. you got to be up there again, right? So we'll see. We'll find out. We'll find out right after the break. Pastor Dave here. Listen, folks, do us a solid. So many of you have done this recently, but please rate us and review us. Uh, that really, really helps. And um, just some very thoughtful reviews have come in recently. And so um, we read them. We appreciate them. Also, you can send some fan art. Someone did that recently. And it's brilliant. And I don't exactly know what it's in reference to other than eating uh, octopus. And Kathy is in there. And I do hope that we have talked about the cartoon Kathy on this podcast. And if we haven't, we need to remedy that with its own department. We'll talk about our favorite. We'll talk about Ziggy. If, if we get up to 90... I'm going to say it here. If we get up to 90 ratings, we are going to do a special department on Ziggy, the great Ziggy. Mike is going to share his top five favorite Ziggy cartoons and why they tickle his funny bone each and every time he sees them. So that's right, folks. Go ahead and do that and look forward to that department. I don't want the numbers to start going backwards, but we'll see you. Let's get back to the show. We're back and uh, hit it, Pastor. If you want my body and you think I'm sexy, come on, sugar, let me know. Oh, man, I feel like Rod Stewart is here with me. We need to have more of your impressions. I had a, I had a friend tell me that he never laughed so hard. Remember, you, I was, remember how, you trying to do remember impressions. Remember how good I, Remember my Robin Leach? Oh, it was so, so good. It was like he was in the room. And so was that, that Rod Stewart. Um, yeah, so we're talking... Sexiest men alive. It f- meshes well with your uh, with your treatise on throupling. Overall, sexy time podcast. Yes, today <laughs> it is, and uh, I have the list. Um, we said, you know, Nick Nolte was from what year? Oh, we didn't say. So we didn't say. Was, maybe let's I suppose we have to now. Yeah, I mean, uh, he, Nick Nolte. Uh, when you came in, Pastor, you came into the room. You saw my. I have him framed on my desk. The sexiest man <laughs> yeah. alive. And uh, 
I, I asked you to guess. You said 1987, which is not a bad guess, but it was 1992. He made it that far into the 90s as the sexiest man. Was what was he in? Like, what was he acting in at that time? Would he have been in that uh, one with Barbara Streisand based on the Pat Conroy novel? Was it Prince of Tides or something yeah, like that? Yeah, Prince of Tides. Is that around that, like in that a, era or is that was, later? Is that, I feel I like know. that was right in that era was Prince of Tides. It was like a movie that was out. It was for grownups. I was more, oh, so I was more like, can I watch The Wizard? For like the fifth time, you were watching uh, the great, oh that of the course, great Fred the, Savage movie, the Fred Savage movie with the Power Glove. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's so bad. bad. Oh yeah, um, and I'm sure you were entertained by uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and whatnot. Did like that. I yeah. I think um like a friend's birthday party we went to see. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles two or three, and like we we're literally the only people in the movie theater. Wow, really? Yeah. Huh. It was a matinee show. Oh. I was the only person in the theater when I saw um, Mannequin 2, Mannequin on the Move. <laughs> what? It was... What? <laughs> uh, a friend and I saw Mannequin just because we thought it would be funny. And then to follow up, we well, we have to go see Mannequin 2. And we went, and, and the whole thing, you know, when you're trying to be... Like, this is going to be campy and fun. <laughs> yeah. And then it was just, like, sad. We just both went, well, all right, I'll see you later then. Yeah, there, was nothing to, there was nothing to say. It was sad and empty. Mannequin? Mannequin 2. Mannequin on the move. And it's about a mannequin that comes to life, right? Yeah. Uh, James Spader, the great Spader, a was, great in, the, was in the Spader. first one, along with Andrew McCarthy. Is that his name? Andrew McCarthy? No. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, you know, one of the Brat Pack. Okay, yeah. And then Kim Cattrall. The great Kim Cattrall was in it as well. Yeah. From Sex and the City. <laughs> you know who she is, right? Of course I know who Kim, C- Kim Cattrall. Of course yeah, I but she Kim was Cattrall. not in the second one, and neither was Andrew McCarthy. It's like it. in Revenge of the Nerds 2 when Anthony Edwards like didn't agree to be in it, other than to be like, broke my leg, sorry, I can't come with you guys on the, on the trip. <laughs> right. Send me a postcard. Uh, there was a great Nickelodeon show that was, I think, inspired by the movie Mannequin. Really? Today's special is about a mannequin coming to life. No way. Nah. There was no funny business with the mannequins, though. Was there in Mannequin? Oh, yes. Oh, I mean, is yeah, that the whole course. point? Okay. Well, I don't know if it's the whole point, but certainly that was part of it. Look, that's unsavory. <laughs> we can't make the show too <laughs> sexy. <laughs> it's, <laughs> I think we're way over the line. <laughs> uh, but anyway, Sexiest Man Alive. Okay, so who has fallen the farthest was our question. <laughs> And there's and then, this is open. This to, makes it a little bit uh, uncomfortable. <laughs> I will read the names, and I will because I will just let you form your own. I'm not even going to say anything more. Uh, in the year 1985, does anyone want to guess? Do oh, I this have is good guessing. The studio audience, man. does anyone want to call in? We're waiting for a call in. No, no calls. Mel Gibson was the sexiest man <laughs> alive. Well, Mel well, has had a. He's taken a bit of a. Uh, Mark <laughs> Harmon. I mean, you know, he's still... Who's Mark... In 1986? 1986, Mark Harmon. Who's Mark Harmon? Mark Harmon? He was, he was on TV shows. He's still on one, I think. Mark Harmon? Yes. Mark... Who's do Mark, I can, have to click can on you, it? Yeah. Can, I have to or be maybe producer here. Mark Harmon. He is 66 years old. He is married to Pam Dauber, who was on uh, a sitcom with uh, Robin Williams. Oh, was he Mr. Shoop? Yeah, in that movie Summer School, Mr. Shoop. Yeah, why would you be watching the movie Summer School? Oh, that's a classic. Oh, movie. he was on NCIS New Orleans from 2014, mm. 2016, and 2017. A bit 
a bit kind of goofy for my taste. All right. Well, how would how can I interest you in a Harry Hamlin? Who is Harry Hamlin? Well, look, you are too I'm young to know who these people are. I was are. alive. Stop being surprised at every one of them. <laughs> I'm, I am, like, really surprised. Harry I'm Hamlin shocked. was in um, L.A. Law, I believe, oh. was his big show. You know, he, looking back at the picture, yeah, he was a, definitely a very handsome man. He was in L.A. Law. No, what's the, the fantasy movie about the uh, Rome, Greek gods? Um Ray Harryhausen did the you know stop motion animation. Um, what uh, with Warwick Davis is in it. Uh, uh, it was just remade, uh, released the Kraken, all of that garbage. No, are we ta- are we talking about Willow? No. Oh, this you know our listeners must right now are They're so like why don't you under why How don't can you, you know not the- remember the name of that film? release the Kraken? It's because I'm the Clash Hobbit. of the Titans. Ah. Clash of the Titans. I'm sorry. I just couldn't. It just, uh, you know, it was at the tip of my tongue. Pacific um, Rim. Uh, sadly, 1988, John F. Kennedy Jr. Ooh, we'll <laughs> let that one pass. But here's, here's a shocking one. <laughs> oh, the sexiest man alive in the year of our Lord, 1989, People Magazine considered Sean Connery. How old was he in he 1989? He was 59 years old. Is I'm I'm not I don't want to no I don't want to be ageist or anything. No, because he is a he's a very sexy man. Super sexy. <laughs> uh, all right, Tom Cruise, of course. Uh, I'm sure he's the Rock multi winner. Patrick Swayze. Sadly, we've lost him. We lost the great Patrick Swayze, and then Nick Nolte, Richard Gere. Uh, Can't argue with that. Well, he was part of the sexiest couple alive, so I don't know if that counts. Was that with Julia Roberts? Cindy Crawford. Oh, that was I was thinking of the movie. Can't think of movies aren't real life. Someone needs to remind. Yeah, me. that's right. Uh, then it's just a you know the usual suspects: Keanu Reeves, Brad yep. Pitt, Denzel yep. Washington, yep. George Clooney, Harrison yep. Ford, Richard yep. Gere, Brad Pitt, two-time winner, Pierce Brosnan, Ben Affleck, Johnny Depp, Jude Law. Matthew- uh, Johnny Depp. I'm gonna. Oh, you say think he's a fallen? Very hard fall. When you see it's a video those pirate of- movies, isn't it? Yeah. And then when you see like a, a video a video of him like at two bottles of wine deep, like yelling oh. at his girlfriend, it's where really... are you watching these? Videos? I saw like TMZ, man. <laughs> it's 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 you, dark. You troll some seedy parts of the internet, don't you? Know, you? It's, I gotta understand. You can't speak to the culture unless you understand the culture, Mike. That's true. Anyway, I think it's clear. Who that... else? Keep going, Johnny Depp. I stopped you. Well, we're we're almost done. Uh, Ryan Reynolds, Bradley Cooper, Channing Tatum, Adam Levine, who. You had to tell me who he was. Channing Tatum had a great scene. He's in this movie, like this dancing movie, and he dances like he takes off his shirt. What's the dancing movie? What's it called? People Step Up. No, it's not Step Up, is it? Step Up 2? Is it the one where he's a a stripper? No, that's Magic Mike, I think, right? Yeah, well, he was dancing in it, right? Well, yeah, no, but it's in. I believe it's in Step Up 2. And he like jumps into his. Oh yeah, it's definitely step up too. And he like takes off his shirt and does a dance move where he flips around and then goes back in his shirt. And it's the best dance. It's one of the most amazing things you'll ever see. YouTube it right now, people. Channing Tatum dancing shirt, and he I, like I flies cannot, in and out of his shirt. I cannot encourage our audience to do any of the things you've recommended. Absolutely so far. amazing. I am totally against it. Uh, Chris Hemsworth. Who's that? David Beckham. He's Thor. Uh, David Beckham. Dwayne. The Rock Johnson, which I think was to tie in with um, with Sean Connery of The Rock. I think they just needed two <laughs> rocks in there. And then uh, Blake Shelton. That's probably... And who's Blake Shelton? He's Is like he a country a, singer? If, if 
you're into like bounce back, like divorced dad, like, and you're, you know what I mean? Oh, like, and I am. <laughs> like kind of like a, like probably has a drinking problem. Like that's, you know. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think we can say that. I, 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 I think it might be true. Oh, okay. I well, think he might okay. have a drinking problem. Not right. to, alleged, alleged, alleged. Blake, if you do, please call Get us. help. We need, we need to help. I you. don't want him to be that way. Yeah, all right. I want him to get help. Wow, what a show. What a what a turn it has taken. <laughs> Anything to sum up, or should we just crash this show into a pole and walk <laughs> away from the smoking wreck that it's become? Speaking of John F. Kennedy Jr. Okay, so... Oh, <laughs> man. Uh, all right, I'm walking away. Good luck wrapping up the show. All right, everyone. Thank you. So my mic has quit in protest of how, from the heights we've fallen... Uh, interviewing last last time interviewing a professor and and a deep philosophical discussion about evil and 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 then this time with Ruppel's the sexiest man alive and how it's terrible. So we we promise to be back with better material. <laughs> I'll be back too. Okay, good. One, two, one, two, five, four, five.